together. So we're going to look at John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 18, uh, but we're just going to talk about one verse tonight, and good news, it's going to be a short sermon, okay? <laughs> so short Christmas sermon, one verse tonight, and uh, then we'll go home and celebrate Christmas. Uh, so John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, uh, verse 8. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, now as we talk about your Son and his incarnation into this world, the fact that you gave him as a gift, we pray, God, that you would instruct our hearts. We are here to celebrate him, his birth. This Christmas season, Father, so many around us are celebrating Christmas and they don't know this story. They don't know what you've done. Uh, but today, Lord, enlighten our hearts to know, to see that the celebration of Christmas is the celebration of you giving your son for us. The celebration of Christmas is you, Lord, becoming human and walking among us. So come now, Holy Spirit, and teach us. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. Well, Christmas obviously comes with lights. And we light the, uh, that we have candles lit, uh, we light the Advent candle, we have the Christmas candle uh, lit for tonight. And the idea behind the candle or the advent candles and also lights and the reasons why uh, people have used candles and now lights and put them on their homes and put them on their tree is because light is a picture of what Christmas is. The idea is this, that this world has been broken and this world can be dark. And I think we all know that. Like there's nobody in this world, in this room that has not faced the pain of this world. And the idea around Christmas is that the light is shining in the darkness, that the light has come when it was most dark, and he has come and brought his truth to the world. And so the picture of these candles is the picture of his light. The picture of the lights on your home or on your tree are the picture of his light. Most people don't know why that's why they have light and candles, but that's the idea, that God has shown his light into the brokenness of the dark world. And the way he did that is by coming here himself. After the world was broken 
and continues to be broken, just watch the news, just watch your life, just look at your heart, just look at your relationships, look at the brokenness. You can see it all around. What God's response to that is, is to come and bring hope, to come and bring salvation. And in the midst of the darkness, he brings his light. And if you think about what light does, light dispels darkness. Wherever you shine light, darkness cannot overcome it. Light has power over darkness. And that's the idea of Christmas, that in the darkness, in the brokenness of this world, even with satanic influence in this world, that God has sent his son to be the light in the midst of the darkness to give hope to the world. And if you think about it, for all of us, there is a sense where uh, we're trying to figure the world out. We're trying to figure our lives out. There's a sense where we're confused and a bit in the dark. And Jesus Christ in coming into this world, he shines light to give us not only hope, but enlightenment, to give us truth. Um, so God went on a mission to bring his light into our darkness, and this is what Christmas is about. It's God on a mission. The God who created the world, the God who sustains the world, the God that's holding the world together right now, the God who created history became part of it. He entered into human history. The creator became part of creation. He came and lived among us. And he came and brought his light to us. So my main point tonight for Christmas Eve is this. And this is what I want you to take with you as you celebrate Christmas over the next day and the next week. It's this. The God who is there came here. The God who is there, the God who exists, the God who is eternal, the God who is the creator, the God who is outside of creation, bigger than all of creation, entered it. And he could have entered in so many ways. He could have entered with fanfare, and he could have entered with an army. He could have entered with power and domination. But when God brought his light into the world, he came into the humility of a child. God became vulnerable. God became like us. God became one of us. The God who is there came here. In the same earth that we breathe the air and walk on the soil, God came here. And he didn't just come, uh, like I said, as a, a powerful king and everything given to him. He came in vulnerability and lived a life mostly in obscurity until he was 30 years old. But tonight, as we think about his entrance into the world, I want you to recognize the primary uh, point of Christmas, the, the biggest factor of Christmas, the most powerful reality of Christmas is that the God who is there came here. In ver verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says this, and the Word became flesh. Uh, the Word here is in the verse 1 of this same section which we read a minute ago. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so in Christianity, if you're new to Christianity, there is one God 
but that one God eternally exists as a community of three persons, which we call the Holy Trinity. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, stepped off of his throne in heaven and he came here as the baby that we celebrate at Christmas. And he is called the Word in this passage. The Word became flesh. The reason he's called the Word is because a word is a communication. A word uh, is, a ration, is, a, uh, is an assignment of a rational idea of something that exists, and it explains that thing that exists. Well, Jesus himself is the word of God. He is the explanation of God. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, if, so if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ shows us what God is like. Jesus Christ is God the Son, and Jesus Christ reveals God to us. And what we will see if we look at Jesus Christ is that he is a God of compassion and a God of love and a God of humility while he's a God of power, while he's a God that holds together the universe. And he's a God that even loves people who are broken like us so much that he stepped off his throne and came here. You know, we talk about in Christianity the sacrifice of the cross, that Jesus died on the cross and a great sacrifice. And of course, that is the center of our faith. It is a great sacrifice. But maybe even a greater sacrifice, the great African theologian Athanasius said, the greatest sacrifice Christ ever made was becoming human. If you think about it, he took on flesh. God became human human. And so when we celebrate Christmas, when we celebrate the child in the manger, we're celebrating the fact that God entered into human history and the vulnerability of a baby and put himself in in the hands of a mother and father and trusted that God would guide him through his life. And as he lived, he revealed God perfectly to us. The word became flesh. Now, why did he do that? Well, there was a Christmas sermon I heard when I first became a Christian uh, from one of my first pastors, and he gave this illustration that has stuck with me, and I, and I can't get it out of my mind, and I've used it in several Christmas sermons, and, and so I'm going to tell you the story. And the story is this. There, there was a guy that was kind of agnostic. He, he kind of believed maybe there's a God, but we're not really sure, but he was not into Christianity, but his wife and kids uh, were Christians. And it was Christmas Eve, and they were going to church, and so he sent them off to church, and he was looking forward to having an hour or two in his home by himself, uh, peace and quiet before everything happened uh, at Christmas. And this was in a particular place where there was a snowstorm, like most of the East Coast right now, and the, the, the storm was just pouring down, and it had turned to a blizzard while they were at uh, church. So he's sitting there in his home, reading a book by the fire, and suddenly he hears a thump. And then he hears another thump, and he looks up at the the pane glass window in the living room, and there were birds trying to come in from the snowstorm, trying to find some warmth. And they were hitting the window, and then one had fallen and been injured, another one had died, and others uh, hit the window and, and went away, but he realized that they weren't going to stop doing this. So he he was concerned for these birds, and so he goes, puts his coat on, puts his boots on, he goes outside in the snow, the blizzard is is flowing, and he tries, he goes over to the barn, and he opens up the barn, 
uh, which is outside of his house. And he takes the injured bird and puts the bird into the barn. And he tries to stand in front of the window and guide the birds into the barn. Of course, that's not working and that's not going to happen. The birds don't understand what the heck he's trying to do. And it hit him as he's standing there trying to do this ridiculous thing. He said, if only I could become like one of these birds, and maybe if I could speak their language, then I could save them from themselves. I could save them from dying and hurting themselves by running into this window, and I could tell them to go into the barn for safety so they didn't freeze in the cold. If only I could, could somehow stoop down to communicate at their level and in their language so that I could meet their need. And suddenly, the meaning of Christmas hit him. Because before his wife left for church, he told his wife and his kids, I just don't believe in Christianity. I don't believe that God has become man. But in that moment in the snowstorm, it hit him. That's what God has done. While we're in trouble, while we're in the storm, while we're confused, while we're banging our head against the window, some of us harming ourselves or dying, God stepped into this world to speak our language, to walk our soil, to communicate with us so that we would know that God is a God of compassion and love and forgiveness and that God is a God that wants our best. This is the idea of Christmas, that God has come here that God has entered into our reality. He's spoken our language. He has walked on our soil. He has faced what it means to be a human and have limitations. He knows what it means to fall down as a little boy and scrape your knee. He knows what it means uh, to face uh, betrayal and trial and pain. He knows what it means to suffer in the limits of the pain of a broken and sinful world. God has entered the world to reveal himself to us. The second part of this verse says this, the word became flesh and that he dwelt among us. So it's not just that he, he came here, uh, did the work, and, and got out, but he came here and lived here for 33 years, and he, he, he lived among us, among the people of this world, people just like you and me. He shook people's hands, he looked them in the eye, he talked to them, he went over to their house for dinner. He had friends. He had neighbors. He was a carpenter. He did work. He lived God, entered in the world, and lived as a human, but lived as a perfect human to show us the way, to show us the truth, to show us his life. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who did a paraphrase of the whole Bible on this verse, he says, where it says, God became flesh and dwelt among us, he says, God moved into the neighborhood. That is a great paraphrase of what Christmas is, that God moved into our neighborhood. So here's why this is important to you. When you're facing your life, when you're going through the struggles and you feel like God doesn't understand, that, that God is not there and that God does not care, the picture of Christmas, it tells you who God is and what God, God has done for you. He came to be with you and he desires to be with you. And he not only dwelt with us for 33 years here on earth, but the scriptures tell us that he took on a human body forever. 
and that we'll be with him in heaven in our human bodies, that he will also be in a human body, and that we will see him with our eyes. We'll be able to touch him uh, with our hands. We'll be able to hug him. We'll be able to talk with him. Uh, He has taken on humanity with us forever. He's with us. He's for us. The third thing this passage says is that we saw his glory. We saw his glory. What does that mean? Well, when he was here on earth, he revealed to us his perfections. Like I said, he lived a perfect life in thought, in word, in deed. He never sinned. He never harmed anybody. He never did anything broken. And when he did that, he didn't just do that to prove this is the way, this is the truth. But instead, he did that on our behalf. He did what we could not do. We cannot be perfect. And so he came and fulfilled the perfect will of God for us in our place. He lived a perfect life day after day after day. But he not only did that, that reveals God's glory because only God is perfect. And Jesus is the only perfect human that has ever lived. But he also healed showing that he's going to drive away the brokenness of this world. The effect of sin is death and destruction and disease. And Jesus comes along and touches people and heals them, showing that he has power over these things. And that one day all of these things will be eradicated from this earth, and we know that that will be at his second coming. He fed people. He taught the ways of God like nobody had ever heard. When he spoke, people said, nobody has ever spoken like this man speaks. He loved. He loved like nobody loved. He loved the sinner. He loved the outcast. He loved the prostitute. He loved the religious person. He loved children. He loved old people, young people. He loved all. Everybody that he encountered, he filled their life with love and hope and joy. There's nobody that has ever been like him. And most of all, what he did is he revealed to us what our God is like. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. The God who was there came here and revealed himself to us. But as we know, even though he was perfect, he was a threat. He's a threat to human autonomy. He's a threat to human rebellion. He's a threat to political powers. And of course, we know that the political powers colluded to kill him. He was a threat to the religious establishment. Even though he is God and coming to reveal God, the very people that said that they believed in him colluded with the political powers to kill him. He's a threat to evil, satanic evil, sinful evil. Whatever poor to be, he is a threat. And because he is a threat, all of the evils colluded together to put him to death. You wouldn't think that a perfect person would be murdered. You wouldn't think that a perfect person would be killed like that, but he was. He was rejected. But God knew he was working a plan. That while the evil of this world colluded together to kill him, God was preparing him to be the sacrifice that we needed. See, he lived a perfect life that we could not live, and when we believe in him, he gives us his perfection. The perfect life he lived, he gives to us. So instead of our flawed life, we are now given his perfect life, his perfect record. 
But the second thing is this. When he died on the cross, he died in our place for our sins. He died in our place for our flaws and our brokenness and our wounds and our weaknesses. He, he died in our place for our sins. So he lived for us, and then he died for us, and then he went into the grave for us, and then he rose for us. And when he rises again, we're told in the book of Malachi that he rose with healing in his wings and he shone like the sun, a light that would come into this world, that would show the world the truth. He came all the way down to this world. He came all the way and lived 33 years. He came all the way to death on a cross. He went all the way into the grave and he came up out of the grave, resurrected. And so when we talk about this child, this is who this child is. What child is this, the song says. This child is the son of God. This child is the hope of the world. This child is the light of the world. So he died on the cross. He went into the grave for three days. He rose again proclaiming forgiveness and a future establishness, establishment of good on earth. So in his proclamation of forgiveness, he sends his people into the world to proclaim his forgiveness. And he says, one day I will return. And when I return, I will make this place what it was always supposed to be. So in, during this period of time, forgiveness is being declared. And right now, God is declaring forgiveness to you. Christmas is about God's forgiveness and reconciliation with him and preparation for the day that he will make this world what it was always supposed to be, that it will be perfect again. There will be no more pain. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more disease. There will be no more divorce. There will be no more loneliness. There will be no more heartache when he returns. Well, we saw his glory, it says. Glory of the only Son from the Father. And then finally it says this, full of grace and truth. God we see in Jesus and in the Christmas story, we see that God is full of grace and truth. But not just generally, grace and truth for you. Grace and truth for us. Grace and truth for me. Grace and truth directly to you. Now here's what that means. Grace, sometimes people define it as unmerited favor. In other words, you don't earn it, merit it, God just gives it to you, and that's a pretty good definition. Uh, but there's better ones. There's another one that, uh, that says that uh, it's undeserved forgiveness. That's pretty good, too. There's an acronym out there to define grace that says God's riches at Christ's expense. So it takes the, the, first, uh, the letters of the, of the word. That's pretty good. But none of it hits like this one. Grace is one-way love. In other words, grace is God just deciding to love you. Not because you earned it, not because you're better than other people, not because you're, you know, like he looked at you and was like, whoa, I need that person on my team. Instead, he just decided to love you. In, the, in your darkest moments, in your best moments, all of it together, he just decided to love you. One-way love. In other words, it's not... 99% God and 1% you. It's not 50% God and 50% you. It is 100% God's love. And this is what the Christmas story is. It's this one-way love coming into the world, becoming human, entering into this world, saving us, forgiving us, doing everything that we need. He has provided all that we need. So he gives you one-way love. So what that means is this. It's not 
God doesn't love you because of your good days or your bad days or your good things or your bad. God decides to love you because you're his. And he chose that he would save you and love you, and he just wants to. And he will never forsake you. So in other words, salvation is not dependent on your performance. Salvation is not dependent on your abilities. Salvation is only dependent on him. I'm almost done, so I know my mic is cracking. So we're getting there. Um, But he's also the God of truth. Not just grace, but truth. And here's what that means for you at Christmas time. In his truth, it gives you a solid place to build your life. You know, we're all trying to figure out what is true. We're trying to figure out what is right. Everybody in this world is confused, and so there's all these theories that humans come up with, but Jesus says, I am the truth. Listen to me, this is the truth. I am telling you the truth from God because I am God, and I am now revealing the truth to you, and this truth becomes a solid foundation for your life. I don't know about you, but this world feels chaotic. And what Jesus has done is he's provided for us a place to look, a place to lean into, which is himself. He, he, his truth is reality. You can know what is real, what is authentic, because he reveals it, and he tells you, and he is God. So in all the voices of this world, we have a voice of truth, which is Jesus. So this is the response of Christmas. The gift of Christmas is that God gave God, that the God who was there came here. He gave himself for us. That's God's gift. By the way, that's why we give gifts to each other is because God has given us the gift of his son. And every time we give a gift to each other, we're remembering that, that God has given us this gift. But this gift is something that he gives you, Jesus, he gives you the the. The only thing you contribute to it, in fact, you don't contribute anything. You just receive it. A gift must be received. God has given the gift of his son. My question for you this Christmas is, will you receive him? Will you receive Jesus Christ? Will you put your hope in him? Will you put your faith in him? He is the one who made the world. He is the one who knows you. He sees you. He sees everything about you. He understands you. He loves you. He knows your flaws. He knows your good, and he wants you, and he proved it by coming here, what we celebrate at Christmas. He proved it by living for you, dying for you, rising for you. And so what we do is we lift our hearts to him, and we put our faith in him. We put our trust in him. Christmas gives us the hope In this world, the light is shining in the darkness. The beauty of Christmas is that the God who was there came here. And because he came here, we now know him. We now have hope, even in our darkest times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for... The fact that you've given him freely to us. We receive you by faith. We put our hope and faith in you. I pray for the Christians in the room that they would put their faith in you again. Put their confidence in you that you have done this for them. I pray for those that are looking into Christianity or not Christians. May what they hear embed in their hearts. May they know that you are God and that you have come for them that you love them.
Lord, we lift our hearts in faith to you to celebrate your light. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,